Well, we're talking about Peter, so I'm sure that you can already begin to imagine what story we're going to talk about. You've got it? About when Peter was walking on the water. And um, it's an amazing story and it's got so much to teach us. So would you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. And we'll read that together. And just ask that the Holy Spirit will bring revelation to us as we read. That it's not me speaking to you, but it's the Holy Spirit this morning. God himself who will speak to your heart. And he's going to reveal to you things that you need to hear this morning. And that's what I'm praying as I bring the word. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the shore. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I was reading about a survey that was taken of older people, and there was a significant finding. And that was that their biggest regret was that they hadn't had the courage to take risks in their life. I wonder if you've taken any risks. When I thought of this, I remembered one that I took when I was younger. And um, I remember at Lambton Pool, um, you know, all the, the teenagers were um, going to jump off the tower. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be left out and seem like I was sort of scared. So I went along with all of the teenagers and we climbed to the top of the tower and I sort of knelt down and sort of crept out to the edge and looked over and I thought, oh my goodness, that's a long way down. And I sort of backed back, but, you know, everyone's jumping off. And so, you know, I had to get the courage to take the risk and and, uh, close my eyes and point my toes so I wouldn't hurt my feet as I went into the water and... Off I jumped and down I went and, uh, you know, it was okay. I didn't do a belly flop, fortunately, or it would have been very painful. But um, I don't know if it was courage or teenage pride that made me do it. But, you know, this story about Peter is not a story about courage to take risks. That's not what this story is about. This story is about courage to build your faith. And as we look at this today, I've, I was thinking about it, you know, I've heard lots of stories, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years of age, so I've heard lots of messages about 
this particular passage of, of Peter, Jesus walking on the water and Peter going out and sinking. And most of the sermons that I've heard and many that I've listened to have been about Peter's failure, about how he took his eyes off Jesus and he sunk, how he didn't have enough faith to keep walking on the water to Jesus. And so I think that we're missing something wonderful and promising if we just focus on Peter's failure in this story. There's much more to this. And God wants to tell you this this morning, I believe. He's certainly speaking it into my heart. And I believe he wants to speak it into your heart this morning. And the thing that he wants to say, and one of the key points that I want he, think that he wants us to understand this morning is my first point. And that is that Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat. Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat. Now, if we just focus on Peter's moment of sinking, then we're ignoring the fact that he actually had enough faith to trust Jesus, to respond to his call to come. And even although it, it seemed an impossibility, he actually had enough faith to get out of the boat and he actually walked on water for a few moments. So he had great faith. And if we compare this to the other disciples, they're in the boat. They're not getting out. They're sitting there huddled together, afraid, and looking and being more concerned about the ghost that they're seeing than thinking about what, who it is and what it could mean for them if they got out of the boat. So Peter actually had more faith than the rest of them. You know, it's easy to boldly declare, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And with God, all things are possible. It's easy to say that while we're sitting in the comfort of the boat, where we feel safe. But it's much harder to declare that when we get out. And sometimes we can actually be, um, you know, sitting in the boat and someone else gets out and we look at what they're doing and we think, gee, that's pretty impractical. That's pretty foolish. But they're actually having enough faith to get up and get out of the boat. And sometimes we actually even criticise them when they sink to the bottom, not realising that they've got a lot more faith than we've got because they actually dared to get out of the boat. We can't really claim any faith at all if we're not prepared to get out of the boat when Jesus calls. And you know, Peter's faith may have weakened when he looked at the waves around him, but it was stronger than the rest of the crew back in the boat. Peter had boldness. He was strong. And that's why Jesus said, On you, Peter, the rock, I will build my church. Because he was willing to trust Jesus. He was willing to step out of the boat. Now, in the end, all the disciples made it to the shore. They all made it safely back or across. But it was only Peter who walked on water. How much we miss if we only remember that Peter sank. You know, this is a passage of promise. If you respond in faith to the call of God, you can walk on water. But there's a lesson in it. That if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. So, do you want the miracle? Do you? 
Good. Well, it will mean leaving the comfort and safety of the boat because we can't walk on water without getting out of the boat. And miracles by nature defy the natural order. Miracles don't make sense and they're not a result of common sense and practical living. In fact, none of our faith is to those people back in the boat. It doesn't make sense to them. I mean, does a baby born to a virgin make sense? Does an empty tomb make sense? Does leading by serving make sense? Or choosing death in order to live? Or, you know, being first by bringing up the rear? It doesn't make sense, and certainly it doesn't make sense to get out of the safety of the boat in the midst of the storm. But here's the second point that I want you to realize that's very important in all of this. Don't get out of the boat unless Jesus calls you. Don't get out of the boat unless Jesus calls you. Peter took an incredible risk by getting out of the boat on that stormy night. And we're just looking at the, the, you know, I just put those images up before with the waves because, you know, water's a powerful thing and it can be a scary thing. And so at the height, you can imagine of waves that were enormous on the sea that he got out, he took a risk. But the key is that he didn't put out a toe until Jesus said to him, come. If Jesus isn't anywhere near our boat, then we're crazy to get out. If we think that we're going to be able to walk on water by ourselves, then we are deluded. We're not going to be able to. We're not going to be able to do the things that that God wants us to do without his strength, without his presence in our lives, without his power. But when God is there and he calls us, when he's on the scene, then possibilities are endless. And doors open to us that wouldn't be there when he's not there. And then it's time to respond to his call by faith. And you know, actually, right now, Jesus is calling us. Right now. The call of God to all of us is a call that's been put out by Jesus several centuries ago. And he said this. And he's calling us to do this. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I have commanded you. That's the call of Jesus to us. Are you willing to obey that call? Because it actually will mean you'll have to get out of the boat. It might mean that you've got to go and knock on someone's door that you don't know very well and and say, would you like to come over for dinner? Because if someone who's never heard of the name of Jesus, how are they going to hear about it unless we tell them? And so getting out of the boat for us will mean doing something that may not feel that comfortable to us. And so Jesus is calling us to go and make, that's the call, he's saying, come, I will help you to go and make Are we willing to get out of the boat and do it? Do do what would seem maybe difficult. And you know, I think it's interesting that this call of go and make is actually reinforced in this story. Because the disciples were in the boat and they were going to the other side of the lake. 
And eventually, of course, Jesus went with them. Now, the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, was actually Gentile territory. And so what these disciples were doing, and Jesus with them, was that they were going over to the other side to be able to minister to unbelievers. And so he's demonstrated for us here, this is what we need to do. The church actually exists to make disciples. And the moment that we cease to do that, then we cease to be the church. How will people know unless we tell them? And God is calling us. Are we willing to get out of the boat and go? I believe that there's no better way to live your life than with God. By his strength, by his power. And, you know, it breaks my heart that people, there's people, so many people who don't know that truth. But I believe it's my calling to go and to tell them. And I believe it's the calling of this church to go. And I believe it's the calling of the church of Jesus Christ because that's why he came. So that people could know his love and they could be saved and live with him forever. You know, I've got a favourite TV ad. I don't watch much TV, but I see this ad occasionally and I love it. It's a couple, they're sitting on the edge of a... They're sitting in a restaurant on the edge of the ocean. I think it must be in the Mediterranean somewhere because the guy that comes and speaks to them... Does anyone know this ad? Yep. And uh, the, the manager comes and talks to them in, a, in, a, in another language. It sounds European to me. And, uh, and he says something to them. And th- this couple are looking over and talking about some plan. And, and then the, the manager says this and they've got no idea what he said. And then the waitress comes up. And uh, they sort of look up at her as if to say, what, what does he mean? And, and, he said, and they, she translates, a ship, in har- a ship in a harbour is safe, but that's not what ships are for. And God made us to be disciples. He called us and made us to go. And that's what we're made for. And we can sit back and think, feel safe in church and safe in our homes and safe in the boat But that's not what we're made for. We're actually made to go and make. So that people can experience his love. So that people are not lost. And they get to find a saviour. With whom they can live forever. So when he calls you out of the boat. When he calls you to get out of the boat. This story shows us that he can be totally trusted. To be faithful. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24 it says, The one who calls you is faithful and he will continue to be faithful. What happens when Peter begins to sink? It says in verse 31 that immediately, immediately, the moment that Peter began to sink, immediately Jesus is there putting out his hand and pulling him up and rescuing him. Immediately. Jesus is not going to let us down. He's going to be there immediately. If we're struggling, he's going to be there. He knows we can't do it on our own. He is with us. And he promises us, you know, he gives us his promise that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. 
And while we keep relying on him, we're going to do the impossible. We're going to reach people and we're going to see people saved in ways that we couldn't imagine, that we couldn't think possible. That's what's going to happen. But if we do take our eyes off Jesus and we do begin to sink because we're human and sometimes we do, then he is there immediately, immediately to rescue us, to pull us and say, come on, come on, we can do this. Get back up on your feet. Keep going. It's okay. We're going to do this together. And, and you will continue to see his purpose fulfilled in you. He wants us to walk on water. That's why he calls us out of the boat. But he doesn't leave us because he is faithful. And he loves us. You know, at those times when you can barely keep your head above the water, let alone walk on water, he reaches out and he pulls us up. And he draws us to himself and he says, I love you. I love you. Come on. Let's do it. So Peter responds to, sorry, so Jesus responds to Peter's desperate cry immediately by stretching out his hand to him and lifting him up again. And then what did he do? Did he say, come on, Peter, I'll carry you back to the boat and put you in there safely? No, he didn't. They're away from the boat and the waves are still big. Everything's still as it was. And he lifts him up and he puts him up and he says, come on, Peter, let's walk back. And he walks back to the boat and in verse 32, he says, they climb back into the boat. You know, Jesus wanted Peter to complete his faith lesson. And so he took him and he said, right, come on, let's keep going with this. I'll help you to learn how to have faith, how to trust me all the way. And we'll go all the way back and I'll get you back into the boat. The the words of that song that um, we heard earlier. When Jesus calls you out upon the water, it says his grace abounds in deepest waters. His sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail... And fear surrounds me. He's never failed. And he won't start now. So if you begin to sink, remember that Jesus will not condemn you. He will rescue you. When Peter actually stops and thinks about what he's doing, that he's walking on water, and he thinks, you know, this is not humanly possible, then... You know, in his own ability, well, actually, his inability to do it, he begins to sink. But after Jesus saves Peter, many people think that Jesus scolded him. I've heard them say he was like reprimanded for not having enough faith. I don't believe Jesus did that at all. I believe that when Jesus pulled him out, he said, Oh, Peter, you've got so little faith. Why did you doubt? Jesus understands this and he just wants to encourage him and say, come on, mate. Come on, you know who I am. You can trust me. Come on, let's get back into the boat. Let's go on to do what we have to do. And you know, the moment they're back in the boat, the wind stops. The waves calm. And that just is there to show us that God is in control, even of the elements. 
He has total control. And we need to realise that about God. That's why we can trust him, because he is in control, even in the midst of the storm. And then what happens? Well, maybe the disciples say, Jesus, just give us a little space. We need to sort of console Peter for a while. And so they go over to Peter and say, mate, you know, we know you feel embarrassed, you know, sinking to the bottom like a rock. You must have felt pretty bad about that. But um, look, you know, let's, let's, we'll, we'll go and we'll get some towels and dry you off when we get to shore. You know, I know that um, you must feel really bad about failing like that. But uh, it's okay. When we get there, we'll dry you off. We'll put in some dry clothes and we'll do it quickly so sort of hopefully no one notices what's happened. Do you think that's what happened? The moment that they got back into the boat, no one was thinking about Peter. Once they were back in the boat, they were so overwhelmed by who God is. And they were in the boat and all they could exclaim was, Wow, God, you are amazing. Truly, you are the Son of God. No one's thoughts were on Peter. They were just thinking on the majesty and power of God himself. How great is God? And that's what we need to do. We need to recognize his greatness and be in awe of of who God is. And as soon as they get to shore, what happens? They're all out ministering. Peter too, even although he's wet, he's out. God's got him onto it. You know, Jesus didn't give Peter a red card and say, sorry, mate, you're out of the game. He didn't even give him a yellow card and say, I'm giving you a warning. If you do this again, you're out. He didn't put him in the sin bin and say, give you 10 minutes to think about it and then see if you want to come back in and do the right thing. No. As soon as they get there, Jesus is saying, come on, Peter. We've got a lot of work to do here. We've got people who are lost. We've got people who need to know about my love. We've got people who are sick and need healing. Come on, Peter, let's go. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. When we fail, you know, we're often hardest on ourselves. We're there condemning ourselves. We put ourselves out of the game. And we put ourselves in the sin bin and think, come on, you've got to figure this out before you can get back in. And worse still, we sometimes do that to others. We put them out of the game for a while. I think you can't do this now. Look what you've done. You know, in churches sometimes, unfortunately, they prefer dry. They don't want people running things wet. They don't want people dripping their failure all around the church. They don't want wet worship leaders or wet life group leaders And they certainly don't want wet preachers because they like dry. And in such places, nobody sinks. Well, they do, but we want to keep it undercover. We don't want people to know about our failures. And so they're quick to dry people off and get them into fresh clothes and get on with it and let's try and cover up. So we we don't face the things that we've got, where we're not strong or where we haven't, made it as we should. But I hope we're not that kind of church. I hope we're the kind of church where we want to welcome people wet, where we want to have them here soaked. 
And they can be dripping with failure and sin, but we love them and we welcome them in. Because Jesus came to seek and to save those who were wet. He didn't come to condemn us, but he came to save us. So the best thing we can do when we've sunk, and we all do, is not to concentrate on our aspects of sinking, but we need to focus on Jesus. We need to think about his power to save us. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you even when you're wet. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, Peter. Come on. I need your help. There's a lot to do. There's a church to build. And on you, the rock. I'll build my church. Peter says, but Jesus, I'm wet. I need to dry off first. I need to put things right. Jesus says, stop it. Stop it. You're going to have to do this wet. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust that my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to have to trust that I love you, that I am with you, that I am for you. And you are who you are by the grace of God. Wow, that's a different way of living, isn't it? God is amazing. He loves me in spite of myself. And he loves you. With all of our failures, with all of our sin, he loves us. And he wants us to help. He wants to help us so that we can experience the miracle of walking on water. All we have to do is to respond to his call to come. We need to pray that prayer. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you would call me. We're going to pray and we're going to sing that song. And I'm asking you today to pray that prayer. To respond to his call to come, to step out of the boat, to walk on water. Lead me, God. Where? Lead me beyond what I feel safe with. So I can trust you. So can I, I can really experience what it is to totally trust you. Take me to that place. By your power. By your power. Let us pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you that this story reminds of us how much you love us. How much you are for us. How your grace is sufficient for us. And when you call us, God, it's not because you're testing us or seeing if we're going to be able to, you know, pass the test. You're just calling us so that we can experience your power and your greatness. And we can live with all the purpose to the, to the you know, with all of the potential and realize it that you have given to us. 
Help us to be able to pray this prayer this morning, God. Let us stand together, church, and let's pray this prayer together in Jesus' name.